one of the partners at the firm uh, mentioned that that was one of the things that they weigh heavily into when they're looking for trainees. And I think the reason why is because there's sort of that that demonstration of of hard work, that demonstration of you know willing to to put the hours in at a job that you know isn't necessarily the most glamorous. everyone and welcome to the Student Lawyer podcast series. Whether you're at school, sixth form, university, thinking about a career in law or exploring law careers, you're in the right place. We are the one-stop shop for student lawyers. If you'd like to join the Student Lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com. Welcome to the Student Lawyer Podcast Series. My name's Camilla. I'm a trainee solicitor at a law firm in London, and I'm going to be your host for today. In today's episode, we're delighted to be joined by Milan Pandit, a trainee solicitor at Leeds Prior Solicitors. Milan is a double training contract offer holder and provides law career tips on LinkedIn to his 8,000 plus connections. In this episode, we will be learning about Milan's journey into law, finding out his top tips for securing a training contract, gaining insight into the work that Milan does as a trainee solicitor and the tips that he's picked up along the way. So without further ado, let's hand over to Milan. Welcome to the Student Lawyer Podcast, Milan. It's great to have you with us. Hi, Camilla. Thanks for having me. So let's kick off the episode by just um, maybe finding out why and when you decided to pursue a career in law. Yeah, um, it came very much, I think, a surprise, a bit of a late decision, probably compared to a lot of people that sort of set their way into law. I made my decision around, I think it was towards the end of my third year of my undergraduate degree. So I, I didn't study law. I studied um, politics, philosophy, and economics, um, mostly because I wanted to kind of keep as many doors as open as possible. As I had no idea what I wanted to do after uni, sort of entertained the idea towards the end of my third year. And I suppose from the very little information that I had at the time about what the job entailed, I thought it might be a good fit. Um, did a little bit of work experience um, the summer before I was going to start my conversion. Loved it. Um, started my conversion. Loved it. Um, and very, very fortunately, um, have started the job now and love it just as much. That's great. Such an interesting journey. I, I really like the fact that you're a non-law um, uh, graduate because we sometimes get students uh, questioning, you know, whether it's difficult to make the transition if you haven't studied law at undergrad. Um, so it's, it's yeah, really nice to see that. Obviously, you, you have not found it. Um, uh, you know, to your detriment at all, um, and you know that's that's the the understanding that I get that law firms like to to hire a range of people, not just law students. So you're obviously um, walking proof of that. And so, what was your biggest challenge when, or challenges when going through the TC application process, and how did you overcome um, those challenges? Um, I, th- I think the main thing for me was figuring out what on earth law firms actually wanted from people, um, you know, going through the application process. I suppose I'd had a few friends of mine during my undergraduate degree that did the traditional law routes, you know, law A level, 
straight into a law undergraduate degree, do your LPC, and then off you go. And I, I suppose they always kind of spoke about things like commercial awareness that I that went right over my head and um all these sort of concepts that you know law firms probably wanted out of their applicants but I had no idea how I was going to make myself appealing in that way in terms of overcoming that I suppose I'm not sure necessarily how I did that it's probably um a question that I'll need to ask myself of um of of of, of those that decided that I'd be a good fit but I think the way that I that I managed it was sort of trying to trying to make sure that I ticked as many boxes as I thought was there to begin with and suppose asking the question to myself well if I was at the other end of the table conducting the interview what would I want out someone I'd want them to be um hard working I'd want them to be eager I'd want them to be respectful um I'd want them to be um you know inquisitive you know how much are they doing in their own time in terms of um advancing their understanding of what solicitors do what sort of markets they operate in and larger clients and and and, and so forth of the firm themselves and i think taking those boxes a lot of them would have been universal you know i think a lot of them they would have agreed with as well and and hopefully that meant that by sort of putting down a solid base in terms of what i would hire hopefully that sort of ticked the same boxes for them I really like how you approach that. And um, yeah, I think it just goes to show that it's quite important to be self-aware as well when you're going through the process and thinking about, you know, what, where are my weaknesses and where can I try and improve? Um, so I, I think that's a really great approach. So what um, do you think that law firms are looking for in their trainees and what tips would you give to our listeners who are going through the process of applying for training contracts at the moment, perhaps, you know, what you thought when you were going through the process and now you're actually in a law firm, I wonder if what you think that they're looking for has actually changed at all as well. Yeah, I think, um, I do definitely think the more partners of law firms that I'm able to speak to and get to know and see how they operate, I do think that each and every one of them are looking for very different things um but but there are sort of some underlying some 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 underlying principles that they're looking for and i think the main two um and certainly what i would be looking for as well if i was in that position as well is well hard work hard working are they hard working how much are they going after it and i suppose on top of that and also interwoven with that is ambition um and i think you know that needs to be tempered with a level of accepting that you know you're at the very beginning of your legal career and it's not all going to come overnight um but you know how good do they want to be and how how eager are they to take on work how how eager are they to improve and um you know it's not necessarily obvious how to demonstrate that but um if you're able to do that i don't think there's many um there's many recruiting partners or or members of the management team that are going to bat an eye at that I think that's that that stands out and that that is the main objective I think of any applicant to demonstrate that you've got that drive and you've got that um that ambition and you're willing to put that into practice if they um if they gamble on you absolutely and I wonder if you could talk a little bit about your non-legal work experience and how that's helped you as a trainee 
Yeah, um, I think a lot. Uh, like, uh, yeah, quite a lot. Um, I didn't actually have any um, legal work experience when I um, left my undergraduate degree, when I graduated from that. Um, and so I, in terms of uh, actually putting together a solid application, I was leaning very, very heavily on my non-legal work experience. Um, and I do think the job that I that I worked for around a year and a half, almost two years, I think, um, while I was uh, doing my undergraduate degree was working at McDonald's. Um, you know, at the very beginning of my application, I remember I had conversations with friends of mine, you know, sort of discussing with them, well, should I talk about that? Is that a job that I really want to, you know, put my weight behind? And it sort of garnered mixed opinions. You know, some were sort of like, well, it's not particularly impressive. Um, but then on the other hand, I think, and definitely from discussing with um, my parents, um, who, who who were, you know, quite big influences behind sort of crafting my my applications, um, they were very much of the opinion that it that it does demonstrate um a willing to get your ha- willingness to get your hands dirty and and you know I, I got incredible training there and I had great experiences there. You you really do work with such a diverse range of people, all sorts of backgrounds. And um you know I remember I somewhat more recently um I put together a LinkedIn post about it and um you know one of the partners at the firm uh, mentioned that you know that was that was one of the things that they weigh heavily into when they're looking for trainees and I think the reason why is because there's sort of that that demonstration of of hard work that demonstration of you know willing to to put the hours in um at a job that you know isn't necessarily the most glamorous um why why you're working part-time but um but I loved it and I learned a lot out of it and um and I think it was a big reason behind, you know, getting what I wanted in the end. Yeah, for sure. Again, you know, I have questions sometimes from aspiring lawyers who are worried because they don't have much legal work experience. And they think they're not going to try to demonstrate their um, their suitability for a trading contract. But again, like you just demonstrated and, and you know, the understanding, understanding that I have is that that non-legal work experience says so much about you and your experiences and, and your skills um, and working at um, McDonald's. You must have worked under pressure and, you know, had to deal with difficult customers <laughs> um, <laughs> to detail to make sure you get the order right. But there's all these things that you you can pull out of experiences like that so um you know for me when I I worked in um bars and that was you know really difficult really difficult um sometimes you know more difficult than, than working in an office because of the antisocial hours and the, the difficult customers so yeah I I completely agree that that non-legal work experience is is really really um really really good For the past four years, I have been very lucky in the sense that I have had the shoulders of friends and family to sob on and unfortunately for them to vent at whilst I have been under pressure and stress from university deadlines and whilst going through the gruelling process of training contract applications and interviews. They have been my unofficial therapists and during tough times have reminded me that there is always light at the end of the tunnel. But it's not always possible to rely on a friend or family member 
member to help you through difficult times, especially if they are not trained therapists. And sometimes speaking to somebody outside of your family or friendship circle is a better option anyway. If you're going through stressful times, looking to improve the quality of your life, vent or need somebody to remove the weight of the world from your shoulders, BetterHelp, the sponsor of today's podcast, may be right for you. BetterHelp is the largest therapy platform in the world and it changes the way people approach their mental health and helps them tackle life's challenges by providing accessible and affordable care. The therapists at BetterHelp are qualified to help you through everything from daily stresses to anxiety, relationships, depression, addictions, eating, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, grief, self-esteem and much more. After you sign up, BetterHelp will match you to a therapist who fits your objectives, preferences and the type of issues that you are dealing with. So whilst a friend or family member, aka an unofficial therapist, is great to speak to, therapists on BetterHelp include psychologists, family therapists, licensed clinical social workers and licensed professional counsellors. Visit www.betterhelp.com forward slash TSL for 10% off your first month. That's www.betterhelp.com forward slash TSL for 10% off of your first month. I know that I'm looking forward to using BetterHelp to help me get through the SQE when I start it next year. So you went on to secure training contracts at two firms, which is a really um, impressive feat. So well done for that. Um, And it's obviously a great position to be in. But how did you decide which firm to join? If there's anybody out there who's in the same position as you holding two um, training contract offers and not quite sure what to do. um, How did you decide? And and perhaps if you've got any advice for, for our listeners. Hmm. Um, I, I, I have no doubt that there will be. I think, um, you know, I, I, I was quite fortunate to know a lot of people um, that were in the same position as me when I was applying. And, 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 and a lot of times with offers, you know, it sort of feels like London buses. It's sort of, you know, nothing comes through and then suddenly, um, you know, a lot comes through all at once. And it's sort of very rare that that, that you get people that will get one offer in a vacuum and um well unless you know that's sort of come through at, a, at an opportune time and um and you're sort of not further down with the process with others but um I definitely know I wasn't the only person in that in that sort of situation um and I suppose the answer to how I made that decision it wasn't it wasn't an exact science um I think I definitely recognized that at the time, I don't think there was a wrong decision. Um, you know, I'd, I'd conducted vacation schemes at both of these firms, one of which was Leeds Prior, where, where I ended up. And I'd, I'd, I'd loved my time there. I'd loved speaking to everyone that I'd spoken to there. Um, I was excited about joining both. And so there wasn't really a wrong decision as long as whenever I made the decision, I sort of made it and didn't look back, if that makes sense. And I think the main the main thing that drew that drew the line for me was sort of coming down to um progression um in terms of my career i sort of want to emulate some of the lawyers that um that have that have really kicked off at a very early stage of their career and um and taken on as much responsibility as they could have taken and that really appeals to me and you know not to <laughs> not 
not to fly the flag for my firm too much, but um, one of the things that really stood out to me was the fact that we had half of our um, half of our partnership um, as people that had previously trained at the firm. You know, half of the half of the partners had started at that trainee level, qualified, gone up the ranks, and and now we're forming the people around the table making the decisions, and that's incredibly rare um, and something that's is also very, very hard to hold on to, but also for me says a lot about the way that they look at their trainees. I thought by choosing um, the firm that I did that I would then be looked at as someone with that sort of potential. Um, and I think that's that's really followed through from my experience so far. I think um, that level of responsibility has been given, that level of expectations been leveled on me and and I loved that. This is exactly what I wanted. And um, while a lot of things were equal between the two, um, that's what did it for me. And um, I think that's heavily based on knowing who I am and what I want for my career. That's really, yeah, really good advice. Thank you, Manan, for for going into that. And so, what are your tips for impressing during a vacation scheme? So, I mean, like like I said before, I think. The main thing is demonstrating that sort of hard work and enthusiasm that you know is 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 so hard to teach. Um, but if you have it, it, it very rarely diminishes throughout the rest of your career. Well, certainly from from viewing people above me at my firm, that that seems to be the case. Um, but I think I think a lot of people who conduct themselves on vacation schemes sort of are faced with a problem where they need to balance out two competing goods. You know, one of them is um, completing the work really well. um, And that's very important, naturally, uh, because you are going to be judged on that. But on the other hand, you've got actually making yourself known throughout the firm and and, and meeting people and getting yourself out there and, and, you know, leaving a positive impression on people that when the vacation scheme's over, they're sort of willing to say at the pub or, you know, if, if they're if, if they're asked in passing, yeah, that that person, I remember them. They were really nice. I'm really glad that they came, and they, it seems like they'd fit in well if if we went that way with them. And um, I think you know that that's something that I didn't really have a great opportunity to do when I did my vacation schemes. I did mine during lockdown, um, so it was all remote. The only people you really spoke to at any of the schemes that I did were the people that you were doing the task with and that was still very useful but you didn't have that opportunity to be within the firm itself and I think people often are too far on the side of the work side rather than the um getting themselves out there and and speaking to people and 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 pushing themselves out of their comfort zone socially so I think you know the, the way that I've sort of dealt with that as a trainee because obviously I'm still new um I'm still meeting new people and um, getting myself known is is just mucking in and and getting involved in the tea rounds. You know, um, not only are you meeting everyone that way, um, but also you're doing everyone a favor, and it's a favor that people remember, even if it's even if it's tiny. You know, if someone makes me a nice cup of tea, um, I'm going to remember that, and um, it's just another string to your bow, really, as to why um, you should be picked and 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 not someone else who maybe didn't get themselves out there and but did good work but they haven't left that that sort of positive social impression. 
really good tips again I think even like you said something simple as a cup of tea you know all those little actions really add up and and can just make you yeah a nice person to sort of work with in the office and that um that's uh, you know really important to demonstrate so yeah thank you thank you for explaining that so now that you've started your uh, training contract and you know you're you're some way into that now what what work have you been doing as a trainee solicitor and what does a typical day look like for you if there is such a thing of course well that's the thing I, th- I think maybe you'll be able to um uh, sympathize with me a little bit in the sense that you I understand you're also in litigation is that right yeah yeah I've uh, I'm um in my second seat in commercial litigation so yeah it's exactly the same yeah. as me I'm, I'm also in my second seat in commercial litigation yeah it can be very very like this week was very intense because we had a few hearings coming up <laughs> you know it's all hands on deck to try and get get things done on time um and things always seem to pop up out of the blue which, yeah. <laughs> which is interesting yeah I, I think so while there are probably some things that stay the same you know the idea of a of a normal day um a day in the life is quite hard to sort of you know pinpoint with any accuracy but that is that it is definitely a draw of the area I think uh, definitely from speaking to members of my team that have decided it's for them you know they've qualified there and they're continuing their careers there and, and they're happy as can be they love the fact that there isn't really a typical day everything can be thrown out the window one day um another day you're sort of in control and, and and you can deal with things in a methodical fashion and I suppose in terms of the work that I'm involved in um you know I think one thing I was a little bit concerned of um before I was a trainee was the idea that okay am, am I going to be photocopying all day or doing admin all day which you know I've I've no problem with doing admin but if that was all that I was going to be doing I would have been a bit concerned but luckily that couldn't really be further from the truth and actually um admin now presents it sometimes uh, presents itself sometimes as a nice break from um uh, from how difficult and engaging uh, the work is that I'm involved in you know whether it's um you know spending a day drafting a witness statement one day whether it's um dealing with a handful of new inquiries the other whether it's helping prepare for a hearing you know I, th- I think and 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 you know you'll you'll know this um better than I than I than I will that um commercial litigation is just so incredibly varied and sort of what comes with that is that sort of no two days are the same everything is always novel and new and um and with that you're really able to sort of get a you know a whole lot of experience um in a very short period of time and naturally that's that's going to make you a lot better um than you would be if you were if if you were stuck doing the same thing every day yes i completely agree it's really good to get a broad range of experience and the the variation definitely keeps it interesting and um and you can quickly you know you can look back i don't know about you but when I first start a seat, it can be sometimes a little frustrating because you have to start at the beginning again, not really knowing that much. And then, um, but it, it's such a steep learning curve. It's, and then, you know, by the time you come to the end of the six months, it seems to be the case that you feel a bit more comfortable. 
and feel like, oh, yeah, I kind of know what I'm doing now. And then the rug gets pulled up out from underneath your feet and you start again from from the next um, the next seat. But, yeah, it's really interesting how steep the learning curve is. And I, I do really enjoy that about, about the role. So what tips do you have for other aspiring lawyers or current trainees about how to do well as a trainee solicitor? Um, I think uh, it's, it's a very tough question because I think, you know, naturally i am sort of trying to answer that question at the moment um you know i'm 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 not in really in a position where i'm doing everything right and i wouldn't want that to be the case because i'm you know i'm training and i'm and i suppose if you're doing everything right then you know that you're not being pushed to your limits and um and it's definitely a case where you, you sort of bounce between doing well and not doing well and and maybe maybe that's I suppose where my advice for people coming in as trainees you know bears its relevance I think and I'm sure I'm not the only person prone to this um perhaps you've had a pretty successful background in education um you know generally things have gone how you wanted it to you've gotten results that you wanted it to and and you've gotten used to sort of maybe not succeeding at first try with things but succeeding in the end um with things and I, I I definitely I didn't know it at the time but 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 when I started my training contract I definitely went into it with a mindset of you know I will do everything right so I'll do everything that I can to make sure I do everything right and if I do something wrong then it's because I haven't worked hard enough and while that's true some of the time I think also as a trainee solicitor you do have to prepare yourself for inevitable failure. You know, you will get things. It doesn't matter if you're working 24 hours a day, every day, you will get things wrong because you simply don't have the experience. You're doing something completely new. Sometimes you're even given things that you're actually expected to fail on, but they're good. They're, they're really good, um, you know, learning exercises for you. And um, that can't be viewed with that sort of mindset of, oh, well, I need to be succeeding at everything. Um, instead, you sort of have to embrace that, that that failure of certain elements and, you know, still pick yourself back up and say, okay, I've learned something from this and that mistake that I made won't happen next time I do that task. But also not giving your to- yourself too much of a hard time and, and, and saying to yourself, well, okay, you know, I'm a trainee solicitor for a reason. I'm not qualified for a reason. If I was left to my own devices to this, it would go badly. But I'm in a position where I'm being trained up by really seasoned and excellent solicitors who are prepared for this to go wrong when I do it. And um, and, and that's sort of the nature of the job. And, you know, uh, making your peace with that is quite crucial to um to, to to getting through um, your training contract with your head held high fantastic tips don't forget that if you're looking for a way to remove the weight of the world from your shoulders the therapists at BetterHelp are qualified to help you through your daily stresses just visit www.betterhelp.com forward slash tsl for 10% off of your first month that's betterhelp.com forward slash TSL for 10% off of your first month. So Milan, as someone who has built, you know, a, a 
impressive platform on LinkedIn. It, it appears that, you know, you're perhaps, you know, quite experienced in, in personal branding and building professional networks. So I wondered if you've got any top tips for um, our listeners on on building networks and, and personal brands. I think, um, you know, the, so it's part, part of the reason why I think I've been able to build something on that front is because um, I have had an incredible amount of support from my firm. Um, we're sort of in a position at the moment where we're quite keen to, you know, sort of embrace um, the importance that social media is seeming to take, and and there's sort of a concerted effort across the firm um, to for people to to stick their head above the parapet and and and, and you know um, get themselves out there. And I think the way that I've been able to do it is the fact that I started very early and in a position where no one really had their eyes on me. Um, so all that fear and anxiety of posting at the beginning was kind of confined to what I was feeling. I really think that, you know, as, as, as trainee solicitors, as paralegals, as, 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 as people at the very beginning of their careers, perhaps, you're in the prime position to, to start being active on social media because if you fail there's not really and you will fail by the way because I did and I have and I've had um posts and and the like that have just completely been swept under the rug and were and, and weren't successful and 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 all, and all the negative emotion that is you know that surrounds that is is you know is is involved but but when you're at that stage of your career you know it doesn't matter you're sort of expected to not turn everything you touch into gold and for you to um branch yourselves out in in, in certain areas and, and not take to it straight away that's fine because it actually reflects what's expected of your work you know your work's not supposed to be perfect right now so why would your activity on social media be any different so i suppose you know while it might seem a little bit hollow my main piece of advice is um just do something um, and do it consistently you know it can be as simple as as saying once a month I'm going to post a a very short piece um, about where I'm at um, on my career and it's going to not garner much attention but I'm going to keep doing it every month and 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 there really is there really does seem to be from my experience a bit of a snowballing effect um, in the sense that for quite a long time at the beginning nothing happens and then all of a sudden you know people start interacting with what you're doing people start note recognizing that you're making an effort and you know and and, and and encouraging you to keep it up and and after a while um, you start getting into a position where it's something that that is that is easy and it's it's you know I'm, I'm now for, very fortunate to be in a position where I don't really think too much about activity on social media and and building up a personal brand and that sort because it's I've been doing it for, for quite a while it's sort of part of my routine um and getting to that stage is sort of the, the golden point but um but that all begins with sort of roughing it at the beginning and and although it seems unnatural sort of scheduling yourself to make an effort every 
week, every month, every however however so long you want to leave it, till eventually it's sort of mundane and it's it's just something that is part of your you know part of your your work life. Really good advice. I mean, your you know I came across your LinkedIn profile. Um, I think that the posts that you write are really relatable and I really re- resonate with them and I really like the advice that you give. So, um, yeah, you're a great person to follow. So if anybody who is listening hasn't um, already followed Milan on LinkedIn, then be sure to go and follow him because he gives really good advice. Um, uh, are you on? Is it LinkedIn that you're on? Are you on any other platforms or do you focus on LinkedIn? So I'm just on LinkedIn at the moment. You know, there's there's always that thought about doing more. I'm obviously quite, um, you know, I, I admire quite a lot what you're doing here in terms of um, putting together a podcast. I think that's that's amazing. I didn't actually realise you'd been doing it for so long. Well, I've been listening to. I know, I know you had one recently with Megan um, Megan Hillman. Is that is that correct? Yes. Yes. Here, Yeah, I've interviewed her a few times now. That was it. Yeah, and. Um, I, I was just quite quite amazed with how effortless it sort of seems and how natural um you both are in in in, in, in talking in, in that fashion and I think um while I've got to a point where on LinkedIn it's a bit it, it it's sort of my bread and butter now there's definitely scope to do other things but yeah that's that's where I am uh, for the moment so watch this space then um from from Milan uh yeah it'll be exciting if you if you branch out I think uh yeah I think you'd do really well um so yeah thank you so much for coming on to the um the show it's been great to have you with us you've given some great nuggets of advice um and yeah we look forward to following your journey for the rest of your training contract and beyond thank you so much for having me Thank you. And thank you to all of the listeners for tuning in. Um, Please do go and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you like this episode. And until next time, goodbye. To hear more of the Student Lawyers podcast, hit the subscribe button and leave us a star rating and review. If you would like to join The Student Lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com.